Voci începito, va sâmbani tai dori, ta Welcome to the fourth installation of the Fiery Furnace. Uh, we're joined today with our usuals, myself, uh, Father Ravon Dajamian from St. Sarkis in Dallas, Texas, Der Hovnan Demirjan from St. Hagogs in Tampa, Florida, St. Petersburg, Florida, to be more precise, and uh, Der Samuel, uh, with Nigerian in Saint Sa with St. Sarkis in Charlotte, North Carolina. We're also joined today by His Grace, uh, Bishop Daniel Findikian, who is the head of the diocese, the Eastern Diocese, located in New York City, where the epicenter of this pandemic is taking place. So we're happy and blessed to have you here today, said Fazan. My pleasure. Uh, today's topic is, or the title of today's uh, installation is, What is Mine to Do? And it's a question that we are constantly asking ourselves. Um, we decided to have his primate, his eminence, uh, Bishop Daniel here today, because he really is at the epicenter of everything that is going on. Um, he has been the primate for two years now of the diocese. He's been a bishop for one year. And he's also, will say, blessed to be the Khartavilag, or the sponsoring priest of all three of us, their Hovnan, their Samuel, and myself. Um, and that's where we actually get this idea of the fiery furnace from. Bishop Daniel uh, has gotten his name and his ordination from the book of Daniel, from the prophet Daniel. And in the prophet Daniel's book, we hear about the three youth that are in the fiery furnace, uh, Setrak, Misak, and Abednego. And so every so often we feel that we're that way too. And we mentioned this, I think, also in the first episode, how we feel we're in that fiery furnace in these times that we're in. But the question really is, what is mine to do? We ask this as parishioners, as priests, and as primates. Uh, we ask ourselves, what are we supposed to do in this situation? And what is mine thing to do? Um, St. Francis of Assisi writes, and is said to have said on his deathbed, I have done what is mine to do. And then he turned to those around him saying, may Christ now teach you what you are to do. And these are very powerful words. Christ has done this for us, and he is the perfect example of all of this. But the challenge as Christians is, what is mine to do? But equally, what is not mine to do? And so, Pazan, we're very interested to find out what is your thoughts on this subject. Well, uh, thank you very much, Der uh, Revant, and uh, my three priestly godchildren. Um, I. I, uh, I really, I feel privileged. I feel honored um, to be asked to, to join your, your program. Uh, I've been following the episodes and I'm really, I'm impressed uh, by the style and, and by how you're, you're, you're approaching and, and kind of attacking some of, the, some of the real issues that are on the minds of so many people during these circumstances we find ourselves in. Um, it's not good to be proud. Pride is a sin for us Christians, but I, I really do feel proud too. Um, that uh, all three of you have been my students uh, at St. Nersa Seminary and to see that you're really engaged in thoughtful, uh, thoughtful, very relevant, uh, relevant um, issues and, and ministries is, makes me feel really very good. I give thanks to God. Boy, what is mine to do? Um, when, I, when I think of this question, which is so ripe for, for speculation, my, my mind goes right away to the last two words, to do, right? So 
the, the assumption here is that there, there, there's something out there that we should be doing as Christians, as Armenians, as uh, maybe as clergy uh, within this, this tragedy that we're living right now. And, um, you know, I, I, hope, I hope you'll forgive me if I'm, if I'm maybe uh, kind of detouring a little bit from, from really the heart of the question, and, and I hope you won't accuse me of, of, of avoiding the question, but you know, when I think of what is it that we should be doing, uh, I stop for a second and I say, well, maybe, maybe it's not really so much about what we are doing, but maybe the more fundamental question is, um, what are we at all? What, what are we being? Maybe the question is not to do, but rather to be. Um, uh, I, I, you know, a lot of times the, the Old Testament and the New Testament of the Bible are kind of co contrasted in this way. Uh, the Old Testament, right, the faith of the Jewish people, uh, where right, the heart of, of their religion was, was the Ten Commandments, right, which tells them, do this, do this, don't do this. And, and then many hundreds of pages of the Old Testament are really little more than further elaboration on, on what a good, pious Jew should do in order to be pleasing God. What, what, what he should be doing and what he should not be doing, what, is, what he should stay away from doing. Whereas in a way, the New Testament, uh, Christ comes and really turns that on its head. We think of maybe what many would, would might consider the, the, the heart of the, of the New Testament is the Sermon on the Mount, right? where Jesus not so much tells us what we should do and what we shouldn't do, but rather who we should be, right? We're children of God. We're already blessed with God's blessings through Christ. Uh, to become God's children. And in a way, you know, you can't push this too hard, but in a way, it's not about what we could do or should do. There's not much we can do, really, but it's more about what God has already done to embrace us. And all we have left to do, really, is to be aware of that and to open our hearts and minds to that new reality. And, you know, our sins have already been forgiven. Uh, there's not much more we can do. St. Paul is very strict on this point. He says, he refers to it as the law, right? The whole Jewish way of thinking in the Old Testament, all those things that we should do and shouldn't do. He says, you know, the law is not going to get you anywhere. Um, what, what will get you places is faith, which is more about who we are. Mm. So, you know, again, I'm sorry if I'm avoiding the question a little bit, but that's really what I think about as, as maybe the basis uh, of, of this question about what is mine to do? What should I be doing? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. That makes sense because as uh, as christians we are we're and as americans it's always a to-do list we have what are we supposed to be doing check it off and then we've accomplished it whereas it's more what are we supposed to be which is so much harder to check off in a way harder in a way easier mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when we get overwhelmed with you know all the things that we feel like we need to be doing it can right. truly be overwhelming. It'd be a source of enormous anxiety. Right. Because who among us can really, can really do enough to, to be worthy of, of, of God's will? Exactly. There, uh, Hovnan, when we were ordained, there, Samuel and I, being uh, spiritual brothers, we'll say priestly brothers, because <laughs> uh, we have the same father, we, um, he, he gave us a little cube. I don't have mine with me right now, uh, but I know there, Samuel has it. And I've on that, my, I, I keep it on my desk all the time. I keep it on my desk too. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not at my desk right now. But that cube has the quote of Saint John, uh, Deacon John, the Doctor of the Church, and it lists all of the things that a priest is supposed to be—not necessarily do, but be. Uh, Dad, can you read some of those things? What does that say? 
Yeah, it says, um, it, it begins with, um, with physician, messenger, expiator, teacher, educator, father, nurse, proclaimer of good news, shepherd, general instructor, light, preacher, vine dresser, farmer, head after head. And, and that's just the first two, two sides of the cube uh, <laughs> of the block. And it goes on. Um, and uh, it's, it's been a, a humbling uh, desk piece for me um, uh, over the years uh, as, a, as a reminder um, and uh, as a reminder often of, of the ways that I, I, I fall short of, of all of these things. Um, yeah. And because a lot of times I, I am worried, uh, like as you were saying, Sopazan, um, you know, it does, it produces anxiety and stress when we, when we take a list like this and then try to do all of the things and, and try to be good at all of them, um, which I think if I could even, if I could uh, perfect one of these things, if that was even, in, even possible, um, that would be a great accomplishment. But, um, you know, so I, I find myself, you know, often uh, being disappointed. Uh, you know, why, why can't I, I give a good, uh, inspiring, powerful sermon every Sunday? Uh, you know, why can't I answer every question that's presented to me as, as a priest? Um, you know, these are things I should be able to do, correct? You know, um, and, and so I, we, get, we easily get into that way of thinking. Um, but I was, I was uh, inspired um, this past Sunday in the, the epistle reading for Sunday. Um, it, it caught my attention because St. Peter in his epistle, he's addressing, he's addressing first the elders uh, in, in the church community. Hmm. And he says, now as an elder myself and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory to be revealed, I exhort the elders among you to tend to the flock of God that is in your charge. But in particular, he's, to do this, he says, uh, and, and doing uh, you know, what is mine to do, he says, do not lord it over those in your charge, but be examples to the flock. Mm -hmm. And so that, that last part kind of struck me that, that yes, this, this is true. Um, you know, we are and do all of these things. Um, but there's that essential uh, and primary element of, of being uh, an example, um, an example in, in the sense of, of that common calling that we all have of being Christ-like. Yeah. Um, and, and he concludes the, the passage with saying, uh, saying, and... He concludes saying, all of you must clothe yourselves with humility in your dealings with one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So for me, being, being humble, being an example is, is kind of uh, primary in that when, when answering that question, what is mine to do? Mm. I mean, that, that's, uh, 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 that speaks to me so clearly. Here, here I am now, uh, all of a sudden, you know, virtually all of a sudden, uh, you know, I've been the bishop of the church for uh, not quite a year yet. I've been the primate now for two years, almost exactly to the day two years ago I was elected primate. Um, 
And so here I am in this new position where I have enormous responsibilities. Um, it's actually a huge diocese compared with dioceses in the Catholic Church, uh, with other sister churches. Uh, it's unheard of to have a diocese that makes up, you know, the geographical expanse that is ours, the entire Eastern United States, uh, 50, 60, 70 church communities, 40 clergy. Uh, the responsibilities are, 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 are really are overwhelming. So when I say, well, what is mine to do? I, I must admit that um, that's been on my mind a lot. Um, I, I still don't quite know the limits. I can't do everything. Uh, here we are in, in circumstances of a pandemic. I never dreamed that I'd be the bishop uh, of a diocese that where it was my responsibility to instruct the churches to close their doors, for example. I mean, this is unheard of. Uh, I never took that class in seminary, you know, um, how to run a church where you can't go to church. So this is all new to me and, and uh, trying to run a diocese from my living room. Um, and it's new to all of us. Um, people all around, you know, suffering, sick, uh, mourning, grieving, frightened. Some of our clergy, you know, calling me because they really need guidance. I don't have all the answers. And sometimes I drive myself really to the limits, um, essentially saying, you know, what, what must I be doing now? I, I, number one, I don't have the answers. Number two, I don't always have the energy to keep up with this. The emotional stress is really very overwhelming too. Um, and yet the other side of it says, well, goodness sakes, you're a bishop. You're a bishop of the church. You've been, you've been or, you know, blessed with the holy muta and the holy chrism three times at your baptism, at your priestly ordination, and at your Episcopal ordination. You know, God has given you everything you need now. Just go out and do it. But, but I have to confess that I, you know, I, I, I can't do it all. And where that balance is of, uh, you know, how can I possibly say no uh, and say, now it's time to go to bed. Now it's time to eat something. Now it's time to go for a walk. It's really hard. It's really, really hard. And I'm still learning that. And I, that, that probably is the case with a lot, a lot of us as, as clergy, but as, as people in general. You know, how, when am I, I going to take some time for myself? Um, when am I going to rely on God to inspire someone else to pick up where I can't carry on anymore? Hard questions. And I don't necessarily um, yet have the answers to those questions. I, I I think you know what what you said, uh, Bishop Daniel, to start that uh, you know seeing this as just doing is is certainly a trap, uh, and it's a trap and an addiction that I fall into and am still trying to recover from. It's just uh, I see, especially with the pandemic, uh, a way to sort of avoid a more spiritual and slow and uh, godly approach is often to just keep on working so hard that you. Um, don't have time to to sit with God, to sit with people's problems and pain. You're just relying on your own steam. And uh, yeah, I unfortunately, um, uh, to confess, uh, 13 years ago, I, I learned some bad habits uh, when I started off in ministry. And uh, I was in a situation where uh, it seemed and maybe actually um, taking everything upon myself and doing everything myself was what was needed, mm. I thought. Um, and uh, but it's not an adaptive approach to continue on in ministry and continue on caring for people that just dangers of, of, of burnout um, and dysfunction in the diocese and in your parish, excuse me. Um, you know, those are all things I've had to face or just trying to be a priest and a giver and to do all these things, but not from a sense of fullness of being, but a sense of obligation for doing and feeling burnt out and, and all that. And, um, you know, I just 
I had a, a simple example to bring forth that for me, um, it became clear to me that in order to say yes to the important things of what's mine to do, uh, I had to say, certainly be much more clear about what is mine not to do. And, you know, I had a, a simple example. I remember one of the first times was an influential person. This was six or seven years ago. An influential person in the diocese called and asked me to write an op-ed, actually, in a, a Florida newspaper that wasn't in my area, sort of pushing back against a representative uh, in the U.S. representative uh, who was a Turkish lobbyist or sympathetic to them. And as good as the cause was, I first said yes, and then later called back and said, you know, as good as the cause is, I just, you know, um, this isn't in my wheelhouse. Mm. It dawned on me that, you know, I could write a good op-ed, but other people could write it as well. And if I'm doing this, I'm not doing something else of, you know, uh, crudely said to be doing an op-ed uh, for Christ and for, you know, how uh, uh, my main priority in, in my priesthood and who I am. And for, for me, it's an ongoing struggle because uh, Bishop Daniel has actually requested and strongly maybe even mandated that we all have spiritual directors. And for me, that person's main function is just simply to remind, uh, help me remind myself of my prime obligation to uh, my calling um, and to have margin or Sabbath or however you want to put it in, in my life so that um, I am prayerfully and peacefully um, acting out of fullness and strength of being and strength of Christ instead of reacting, basically, I could say. So that's a good point there, Hag, when you said what's not mine to do. Um, because it always reminds me of uh, in, the, in the book of Acts when the apostles say, it's not our job to serve the tables. We need people to go and do that. Choose among you seven men who are righteous that would be able to do that. And that's, those are the first deacons, right? Right. So, and how are, many times did Jesus uh, basically either delegate or yes. um, certainly a million times uh, put off people's expectations to uh, pursue his main task uh, exactly. with his father? But, I mean, there's so many. Moses did it. He delegated it to the others. I mean, he, there are many, many examples. Yet, being men of the book, we'll say men of the faith, and who are supposed to teach the book uh, and the good word, we sometimes forget that. <laughs> that there are all these examples of what we are not supposed to do, and we're supposed to delegate and give other people the opportunity to participate in that. Um, but we take it on ourselves. It's one of the one of the difficulties, I think, of not just ministry, but being a Christian in general, because we have parishioners also in all of our parishes. And Sirfaza, I'm sure in the diocese, you have people who think they have to do everything and they run around trying to do and they get burnt out doing that, thinking, I have to do this. This is mine to do. And it's really not. And they, and they you know, in, in so doing, and their homeland, you pointed out really well, in order to say, yes, I will do something or yes, I must do something, you are by definition, you know, you are saying, no, I will not do many other things. So even if we say there are things that we need to do in our lives, you know, that thing which may be very good in itself may not be, you know, God's will. It may not be what is pleasing to God. So maybe that becomes, you know, it, it, it makes me think of, uh, you know, this, uh, again, um, the Sermon on the Mount, um, uh, in a way, Jesus helps us to define a little bit better those things that we should be focusing on, those things that we should be doing. It comes in the context of, 
um, uh, people worried about, you know, again, these, these secondary things that, that maybe are not so important. Uh, Jesus says, don't, don't worry about what you're going to eat tomorrow and what you're going to wear tomorrow. And, and he says in chapter six of Matthew, uh, Gospel of Matthew, says, all those worries are going to be there tomorrow for you to deal with. In other words, they are non-essential issues. And we all have to eat, obviously. We, we can't stop eating. So in a sense, it's essential. But in the context of other things, they really are quite secondary. And, uh, and then down, down a bit, he says, you know, seek first the kingdom of God. Um, and all these other things will, I'm paraphrasing, take care of themselves. Uh, in a sense, he's saying, don't worry too much about what's coming tomorrow. What, what's coming tomorrow, nobody knows. And it's not real yet. You know, we can speculate on it. It's not real. Uh, what happened yesterday is, is no longer really relevant entirely. The only thing we really have control over is today. Not total control. But, and, and God gives us opportunities um, to respond to him, to hear his particular voice for each one of us today. Right? And, and obviously, that's somehow, it's somehow relevant. You know, what happened yesterday, the past is, it has some say about that. But, but it's really today. And, and I think, you know, in these days when the future is so uncertain and so, so frightening, really, um, and can be overwhelming, it's probably helpful for us to think about what are those doors, uh, the, you know, that, what, what is God's voice saying to us today? How can I change reality today by the decisions I make, by what comes out of my mouth today? Um, what is God's will for me, in short, today? And that, 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 that's also a big question, but in a sense, it narrows the field a little bit and it can make life uh, a little bit simpler, a little bit less frightening. And certainly, if we at least go about our day thinking about what God's will is, what Jesus says, God's kingdom, right? What is relevant to God's kingdom in my life today, my family's life, um, that can be a lot less overwhelming than, than some of the other options that are out there for us. Wow. Yeah, that's... Uh... That's really what Christ always says is seek the kingdom of God first and all these other things will come to be, come to, uh, come into place. And, uh, that's a wonderful, I think it's a wonderful place to conclude, uh, seek the kingdom of God. Um, so Bazan, do you have any final words, thoughts, pearls of wisdom? Uh, only that it's been a great pleasure to, 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 to if we can call it working with you. Um, today, what was mine to do clearly was to, was to be with you, um, really, but virtually. And um, um, again, I'm, I, I, I pray for the three of you, for all of those folks that are out there that are really wrestling with some of these essential questions. And God bless uh, the three of you uh, for, for helping folks to make sense of it and, and helping them to seek the kingdom of God during trying times. Thank you, Sir Fazan. We know you have a very busy schedule, um, and we appreciate the time you've been able to give to us. And uh, thank you for being here today. My great pleasure. My great pleasure. Maybe we can close with a prayer. <laughs> sure. I heard Dare Samuel has something for us. Oh, he always has something. And Absolutely. and as we were as we uh, discussed, you know, the, it really pointed to um, yes. What what do we seek first? And it, it puts this, uh, this uh, wooden block with all of the, the um, responsibilities and, and things that, we, that we're called to be, it puts it into context for me because first and foremost, uh, this, is, this is who Christ is, uh, physician, mm -hmm. uh, messenger, um, 
proclaimer of good news, shepherd. And so, um, you know, it, it's a reminder that that he is is first and foremost an example for us. And uh, Saint Gregory of Nadeg, um, of course, uh, as as he often does for me, uh, puts it into beautiful words in his prayers, especially in in uh, one prayer, prayer twenty three, which is is one of my favorites. And so perhaps we can close with with that prayer. Look with mercy, O Lord, on my anguish, on the many symptoms of dread afflictions I set out before you. Treat me like a physician rather than examining me like a judge. Indeed, I am overwhelmed by anxieties caused by vacillation and doubt. When the body is weakened by malady, when the soul is not fortified against evil, when the senses are paralyzed by passion, the clarity of prayer becomes clouded, and as he smolders in the fire of conscience, at work, although his hand stays on the plow, his mind keeps turning over the past. Knowing the essential, he is consumed by irrelevancies. In the battles of the mind, he is always defeated by details. O doer of good, for whom everything is possible, along with the prayers of other earthbound sufferers, with them I offer up my last sigh and tears here on earth, so that you will grant a calm peace to me, a pitiful laborer engaged in vain earthly pursuits. Eternal glory to you, who are all, in all, and through all. Amen. 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 Well, thank you again for joining us for this uh, fourth installation of the Fire Furnace. And uh, again, Sir Pazan, thank you for joining us. Pleasure. Bless you.